It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. Tell me something good. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to our latest installment of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast based on the book by the same name, available in hardcover, in paperback, and even an audio book if you prefer the dulcet tones thereof. Yeah, yeah. Turn your mic on, champ. Well, just, there, there you go, there the blue go. button. We're yeah. Yeah. By 75 episodes, you figure out which microphone button's on, off. Yeah. And then, still a rookie at heart. Still, 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 still working out the technicalities on this. 75, three quarters of a century. You know what's great? Uh, the body of work that you and I have put together, um, every 30 minutes is a master's class that you learn directly from entrepreneurs and the experiences that they've mm-hmm. had. So we've had some great guests. Mm-hmm. We certainly have had some great content. Mm-hmm. And then you're throwing me a curveball today. You are putting me in the hot seat. That's exactly right. For this very special episode, three quarters of a century, number seven, five, Steve Noodleberg is the guest on his own podcast. It's very meta, very out-of-body experience, very meta. You know, I really like it. The The validation of, of selling in the new millennium is that there's all new tools and the barrier to entry to do something like this. Mm-hmm. There's a zillion, maybe a million podcasts, but everybody tries to find their lane, and this is a great lane, and I'm proud of the body of work, and I'm I'm excited to hear what you're going to ask me because I have no idea what we're going to talk if about. If people ask you about the podcast, if they talk to you and say, ooh, I heard this, that guy, he made a point, then you know that you're doing something right. If they're asking you and talking about it, you're, you're, you're doing something that obviously resonates. I have 20 years experience in what works, what doesn't, of knowing what's good, what's not. And when people ask you about a certain thing, you know more, do more of that. Certain aspects of the radio show I've done for 20 years, they go, oh, I love it when, or whatever happened to and that means play the hits. Like when you go to a concert, yeah, you want to hear the good stuff. You want to hear the good stuff. You want the hits. That's well said. So when the feedback you get from the people, that's your most valuable market research. It, it, it really is. I mean, when I get with um, you know all the people that I work with and coach and train, I say, listen, listen to this specific episode and listen to what that guy said. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just got back from Dallas uh, last night. Yeah, you got back late last night. Ooh, 2 a.m., which was crazy. But a uh, Sunday we flew out there. We had dinner with our friend Ron Hale. And, um, you know, it, it, he calls it mental jujitsu. We get together. We're exploring, challenging. There's no status mental quo. Mental jujitsu. Yeah, well, he's Ron was one of our guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the regional. He's a background in uh, mixed martial arts. Yeah, right? he's actually, you know, training to be the champion again, you know, in his 50s. He's amazing. In, in jujitsu. Yeah. Wow. He's amazing. But he brings that same discipline to everyday life. So for me, I'm blessed to be around people like him, Jim Bennett, some of the ones that jump out tomorrow. I'm going to sit down and have coffee uh, with Joe Mullings. If you don't, he was number 50. Uh, he was a guy mm-hmm. from Long Island. Right. And, um, you know, to be around these people and hear their story, it's real. I'm learning too. It's incredible. So, you know, there's this body of work that, um, you know, like I said, super proud of, but there's real value there. And I think that's the big change in the world right now is if you put shit out there, people don't pay attention. You mm-hmm. know, like you said, play the hits. Right. You know, uh, this has to be good or people won't listen. And that's so, exactly you know, right. They better learn something. They better be inspired, motivated. They better want more or we're wasting our time. Um, and that's not the idea here. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it's important for people to remember before we get into your hot seat, um, if you surround yourself with people that inspire you, 
um, you're all going to be better off for it. Some folks like to have yes men and women around or people that are subservient or you know in some capacity beneath them in the food chain and but that that doesn't help you in any way. The way in which we all grow and develop and become better at every phase of the game is by surrounding ourselves with people that know more than we do that can motivate us that can inspire us that can drive us to do better to do more i uh this came from two of my coaching clients this week one from dex and one from abe and louis and they both said um you're in the wrong room if you're the smartest one in it that's right find find another room find another room and and, you know i've lived that way my whole life just by asking questions Mm -hmm. the people that i admire what they've done and how they do it that's what the show is we just ask them questions like what was the biggest obstacle what 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 really what did you have to do to get to where you are nobody looks at the work you know I, i say this a lot in some of the presentations i make michael jordan got cut in his from his ninth grade basketball team mm-hmm. you know he could have taken let somebody else drive his life life's work he didn't do that he said no 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 i, I am that great and i'll bust my ass to get there and to do it and so i don't think anybody glamorizes the work but if you talk to anybody who's really been successful i, I sent out a video this morning from the rock he holds on to this day. The number one thing for him is the work. He said all the accolades and stuff that come, he never forgets mm-hmm. when he made, he had $7 in his pocket. Nor should you. And so Nor his, should you forget. The name of his production company is Seven Bucks. Seven all Bucks. Of, seven Bucks. Everything is Seven Bucks because don't forget where you came from. And the only thing that makes it real is the work. Jim Carrey wrote himself a check for a million dollars when he was struggling as a comic uh, when he was someone who had to quit school because his dad was a custodian and the whole family would go in at night and they would clean the school together and they lived out of a van and he wrote himself a check for a million dollars and he put a date on it um, to when he would give himself the opportunity to, uh, to to give up on that dream. And don't you know, by the time the date rolled around, he could have cashed that check. It was made Unreal. out to cash Unbelievable. because he had that money at that point. Yeah, Thomas Jefferson said it best. You know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. It's a quote attributed to him that I never forget. I remind folks, say, oh, you're so lucky. The harder you work, the luckier you seem to get. We don't always get what we want. We don't always get what we deserve. But if you look at the mastery, and I know that, you know, we talk about the book, oftentimes Outliers and Malcolm Gladwell, but the harder folks work, you'll notice the more successful they are at what they do. So it's not by chance. So it comes down to, and you know, when I work with people, I tell them, listen, the only thing you can really control is what you put into it. Right. Most people are focused on the outcome. You have no control of the outcome. Yeah. May, you know, may not be what we wanted or how we wanted it or when we wanted it, but the only thing you can control is blocking and tackling. It sounds exactly what John Gruden said. If you watched hard knocks last week, I haven't, I, I really would like to episode one of the new season. John Gruden, once again, coach of the Oakland Raiders, Uh, a a reported 10-year, $100 million contract. He said, uh, fellas, we're going to be the hardest-working team in the league. It's the only thing you can control. Oh, I love it. That's great. You can't control whether you're going to be the winningest or the best, but you can choose. It's a choice. It's a choice to outwork the others. It's a choice to be the hardest working. We, we, you know, it's interesting because we we come up with all these concepts and these ways that we can, you know, teach and embed these thoughts in, you know, our sales teams that we work with. And one of the things we talk about is WOFT. You know, people go like, what's W-O-F-T, mm-hmm. you know, but most people in life, including salespeople being the top of the list, do things that are a waste of effing time. Right. You know, they just do it all the time. You know, they, they oh, well, the, they stay busy. They're not productive. Right. So we there's el- a difference. Oh my God. So we eliminate bad behavior. We eliminate behavior that does not produce the results. And then all of a sudden people go, wow, you know what? 
this is really a fun thing to do. Work smarter. Work smarter. Work smarter. Find a better way to do it. All right, let's put you in the hot seat, Steve. Uh-oh, I do not know what these questions no, are. So no, nor great. should you. Okay. Nor should you. I wrote these last night while I was on the flight. Okay. As a matter of fact, returning back So here. we were both in the air at the same we time. We were both in the air at the exact same time. I'm going to put you in the hot seat. Seven questions. We'll make through as many as we possibly can. Question number one. What is the single biggest mistake people make in sales the single biggest mistake that people make in the industry in the business of sales. love it uh, my quick answer right to the top is they concentrate on selling something mm. and and it's not uh, you know selling is over and i'm a controversial guy I put it out there i don't think you can sell anything to anybody that doesn't want to be sold right and, and i think the big decision is if you make friends at scale your business will explode. And so it really is a people game. Our parents, you know, when we grew up said, hey, you know what? It's not a popularity contest. Bullshit. It is a popularity mm-hmm. contest. The one who has the most friends has the most opportunity. We have the tools to share that. And so if your main motivation is every day to meet and have an impact on others, uh, your life will totally change but focus is on quota and goal, and I got to go in there and sell them my magazine, my this, my that. And you know what? It's just not that world. It's relationships. Anymore. It's yeah, not it's numbers. Totally. And it's actually fun. So I, I think we, we, we just met with somebody today that we had you know, coffee with, and we were talking to him, and I said, do not, pre, do not in your mind decide, can I sell them this or can I? That's not, you know, the word uh, sales is derived from a Scandinavian word that means serve. So why don't you just serve? Hey, what can I do or who can I introduce you to? You'll get a lot more face-to-face opportunities and good things happen. Uh, I didn't realize sales came from a Scandinavian How word, about that? but it but it makes sense. Yeah. And if you, you serve, look at the same serve. word in the different the original meaning, I would imagine you might have better success. Number 2, Steve Nudelberg in the hot seat. What's the greatest lesson you've ever learned in sales and marketing? The greatest lesson you've ever learned. And maybe it translates to life or life into sales and marketing. My greatest lesson that you've learned would be um, I had a very, very, very large opportunity that was on the goal line, basically done. I counted the the payoff, the commission. I I thought it was done and it wasn't done. It it unraveled at the, the last minute and I was emotionally and physically crippled by it. And then, you know, it, the lesson I was able to take away from it was everything I did up until that point, I would do again watching the same movie. I would go right to the same place because I did everything in my power to put myself into position to close what at that point was a $30 million deal. Just because that didn't happen, it proved to me that it's all about the process of doing the work mm. and if I had more of those in line then I wouldn't worry about which one closes or which one cancels whatever but I had so owned what you know from a, a mindset standpoint that this was my deal this was gonna make me this was the my ego was living way larger than mm. than life and bam it went away and it was the best thing ever to happen to me the, that failure was the best thing ever to happen to me because that's the lesson, yeah. the process. It was like, listen, I just do it now. I don't care which one's closed. Some do, some don't. Doesn't matter. Number three, Steve Nudelberg's hot seat. You are the guest of your own podcast. I'm having fun. As well, you should. <laughs> I like to be asked questions. I'm, I'm the one asking them once again. Number three, people who want to set out on their own as an entrepreneur need to know what in advance. People say, you know what? I'm going to set out on my own. 
I'm going to do it myself. I'm now an entrepreneur. They need to know and understand what before they leave that job they're at today. So, so obviously they need to know a lot, but I think the number one thing that people would need to understand is that they don't need to be great at everything. When I became, mm. you know, my entrepreneurial moment, when I jumped out and, you know, wasn't part of an organization and said, I'm going to do this thing on my own, you know, all, I, I didn't have to be a great accountant. I'm not a numbers guy. That's not what my skill set is. And so very much like superheroes, and we talk about this a lot in the, the coaching that we do, every superhero is known for their one special gift, their power. Well, all of us have a power, and if you concentrate on that, that and make that even better, that's where greatness happens, and you surround yourself with the right people who are equal to that. Mm-hmm. So that's why the Justice League is what it is. They all have different skill sets. They're all great at what they do. That is an entrepreneurial lesson that people need to understand is that the, the paradigm is not, oh, I became my own boss, so I need to do everything and do it, at, at, do it great. It's not reality. Know your, strengths, know your strengths. Focus on those. You know, there's a, an exercise that companies do called a SWOT analysis. It's a strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats. And businesses do them all the time or should. I mean, when you, you, know, you look at Blockbuster, they didn't do that. They didn't recognize what a threat Netflix was. What was coming. <laughs> so as a, as a human being, if you do that for yourself, and my style is I focus on strengths and make people better at what they're already good at rather than focusing on making their weakness a little bit better. Yeah, and you know, you and I both uh, affiliated with ESPN West Palm, part of Good Comer Brands. We talk about it in every podcast. They, uh, company-wide, have an initiative, which is a strength finder. Focus on that. As opposed to, what are the weaknesses? Let's bring those up. Uh Uh-uh, let's not waste time. What are you good at? Let's make even better at those things. Uh, absolutely it's a good it's a, it's a new way to think of things yeah, people just aren't comfortable with that they you know oh my team is not good at this can you come in and spend a lot of money and a lot of time trying to make them better at something they're not good at organically right. or spend that same time and money making them unbelievable right and that's what they are known for and that's the idea number four in the hot seat the most important part of developing new business is what the most important part of developing new business is what um, the most important part would be to have a consistent process. So, you know, I, for, for me, I'm involved in a half a dozen businesses, as people know, plus my own business of speaking and coaching, mm-hmm. and I am a master prospector. And so I consistently do the same thing every day that I've been doing for 40 years. One of the reasons why the book was so successful, it's my 27 rules that I live by, the next book, which I'm knee deep and got the bones of the book, is really about, okay, I'm doing all of these you know, things to make me feel good and change my mindset, and I, I'm the, now what do I do? And in order to be great in sales, you have to have a consistent prospecting mindset so that the, the pipeline is always full mm-hmm. and the outcomes take care of themselves. So, mm-hmm. so it's key. I think key to do that, and one of the number one places we work with people is make them better at prospecting and spending, you know, a, a, but how has that changed? Cause we talk all the time on the podcast about LinkedIn, social media tools, knowing who you're talking to. You can check on Facebook. If you have a meeting with this individual, see that they went to Syracuse, see their favorite pro team is the New York Mets know those things in advance. But in this age, prospecting isn't what it was 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Hell, it's not even the same as it was 10 years ago. So I'd say the majority of teams that we get to work with, one of the first things we ask them is, 
show us your your t- top twenty five list of people that you need to do business with. That that who you are targeting. If you're a hunter, you go into the woods knowing who you're going to hunt. Mm-hmm. If you're a fisherman, you go to the places where you know. Okay, we're going bass fishing. Right. That's where the bass are. Right. Well, salespeople don't aren't necessarily programmed that way. They just do this thing called show up and throw up. Like. I, I, I don't know who I'm going to call. I don't know where my business is. So we are very rhythmic, very process-driven about who we're hunting, how we're hunting them, what the result is, and the the result, like a, a really, really good outcome for me is meeting somebody who's a great guy, great, you know, has great knowledge. I can learn from them, and maybe, maybe I do business with them, or maybe I do business with everybody they know. Right. And so, you know, the, the game has changed and the tools have changed. And it's not a, I'm going to prospect 15 minutes a day. Um, you know, the Alec Baldwin, you know, famous, you know, always be closing is really. Glenn old, Gary, Glenn Ross. Which is a, if you haven't seen the movie, it's one you should. It's sure. really scary what sales used to be. Mm-hmm. Now it's always be connecting. Always change the scene from closing to connecting. I'm on the plane last night, randomly sit down next to a woman. She makes a comment. I make a comment. And this is late at night. Normally I'd have been passed out. I wound up spending two hours plus talking to her. She's a CEO of a company based in, in Dallas, but she is a bullseye target for something that Michelle is working on. And I put them together this morning and she was grateful that I was who I was because she looked at me and thought I was that typical sales guy, mm-hmm. and I never, you know, never asked. So it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, you know, we've done many of these together. You know, my mindset is if you think of ways in which there are symbiotic use, if you think of ways in which not only do they benefit you and your bottom line and your objective and your numbers you need to make, but if you look at the world in ways in which how can I help that person be of use to that person or connect that person to someone who's of use mutually. It has to be of mutual gain. The word partnership must mean something. Symbiotic means something. The universe rewards those who really just in their heart want to see others grow, develop, improve, and be the best they can. So so you hit on something that's so dramatically important in this day and age is that you genuinely need to believe that and think that. Mm. Because if you come and you try and do that like a stage mask, Oh, lights are on. Oh, look I at care. me. I'm the guy. I yeah. care. Yeah. And then, oh, lights are down. Who the, you know, people see right through that. Sure they do. And so, you know, for me, it was always fascinating that as a guy who was a career hunter, a career connector, that the first thing I would ask people is, hey, by the way, who do you want to meet? You know, mm. is there somebody I can introduce you to? And that would blow people away. They go, what are you talking about? You're not here to sell me anything? I mean, one of the greatest stories, and, and we had him on here, was, the um, the then CEO of Comcast for the region, Philemon Lopez, when you know I went, to, I got an opportunity to go visit with him. He's like, okay, well, you know, where's your proposal? What are you trying to sell me? And I go, I, I don't know what you're talking about. He goes, well, everybody that gets in here when mm-hmm. they finally get the opportunity, sure. they have something to sell. Right. And I, go, I, don't, I don't even know what to how to answer you because I don't know anything about you. I don't know what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And they wound up being a very very big client of mine for years because I never asked. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's probably the biggest shift. People ask me, like, when do you go for the close? And I think the biggest paradigm shift is never. Mm-hmm. I don't ask. I don't propose. When you've done the right job of building a relationship, people say, hey, Josh, I got a need for what you do. Yeah. How does that look? How can we get started? Not me going, 
okay, let's go. Let, yeah. you know, I'm ready to do business. With like you. I always say, people don't like being sold. They don't like being hard sold. They don't like walking through the mall and having someone, excuse me, ma'am, can I see your nails? Can I have lotion for you? Nobody wants that. What they want is they want a hookup. They want a referral that's useful to them. Yeah. They want someone to say, hey, man, that ATM right around the corner there, it, it's spitting out hundreds by mistake. Instead of 20s, <laughs> it's spitting out hundreds. They want that. So when you look at the world of how you can benefit them, what's in it for them and truly out of authenticity, you're going to create relationships, you're going to do business, and you're going to make the world a more connected place for you, for them, and for all of your circles of influence. So next week, the guest that's on is Gary Press. He's the CEO of Lifestyle Magazine, South Florida Business and Wealth, and he's a friend. He's my college roommate. Um, he's oh, boy, cl- he's got stories. He's, oh, go. <laughs> he's a client. But, you know, in working with his teams, they're programmed to go in and say, my magazine is really good for you. Mm-hmm. And I say, how dare you yeah. say that? How do you know? Why wouldn't you ask about what they're trying to do, who they're trying to do with? We shared an email that I got yesterday from a company that sells wristbands that in the first line says, says I've tried to email you and uh, I've sent you a couple of voicemails. You should be paying attention because I believe that wristbands are important to your business. I was like, what a pair of balls this guy has. He has to have. Ridiculous. ridiculous. But he's not going to get business from me ever. Right. When if he just asked the question, hey, what are you trying to do? Right. Do, Do wristbands pay, you know, make any sense for you? It's a whole different dialogue than him trying to jam it down my throat. Well, I found it hilarious. Yeah, it sounds like he's uh, showing up and throwing up. Showing up and throwing Via up. email, as you yeah. mentioned earlier. Number five in the hot seat, the most important aspect when it comes to maintaining business with an existing client or partner is what? we are, I think we have a tendency to take for granted um, relationships we have, personal, professional, romantic. Um, I think we have a tendency to do that. So what's the most important aspect when it comes to maintaining business with an existing partner or client so they don't go elsewhere? So, so that's a great question. Thank you. Very, very insightful. Actually, all of these are. Um, one of the greatest parts about social media is that it allows you to maintain relationships at scale. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people say, oh, man, you're posting all the time and you're sharing all the stuff that you're doing. You know, I- I'm not bragging. I'm sharing. And by sharing, I'm able to let people in my life so that people that I normally couldn't get to one on one are now sharing in the things that are happening in my life. It was just National Sons and Daughters Day. I posted something on Sunday about how proud I am about Mark and Jake and how important that is to me as a human being. That has nothing to do with bragging. I don't really care whether you like it. You're allowed to brag on your kids and grandkids. I'm proud of them. But but the reality is that was important for me to share because I'm letting you in on who I am. There were plenty of existing relationships I have that commented on that and thanked me for sharing that and opening the door. So by opening me... I've connected with them in a way that I could never do in any other platform. And so, you know, I landed in Dallas on Sunday. I, we trained all day yesterday, and then I reached out to a friend of mine. Used to live here. He was Jake's uh, quarterback coach in high school. That's he, your son. Right. Made yep. him a really good quarterback. And he's involved in the insurance business. Uh, shout out to Mr. Dugan. Um, uh, he uh, is in a business um, that could actually help my client in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So I send him a note in front of everybody on the screen. I send him a note. Hey, um, I said, Dugan, I'm in Dallas. Call me. Two seconds later, boom, my phone rings. We wound up having drinks with him last night, and I set up a relationship with my client, but he already knew what was going on in my life. It wasn't like, 
he, all of a sudden I dropped in out of nowhere and said, hey, uh, let me catch you up on five right, years. Right. So there's so many benefits for being active in social media. My TED Talk that's coming up, you know, is clearly going to be different than how most other people see it. When and where to remind the people? So it's September 12th. It is uh, in Boca at the Innovation Center. It is sold out, mm-hmm. um, which I'm pretty excited. I think there'll be a bunch of, you know, my folks, our folks there. But, you know, the conversation is communication overload. Oh, my God, people are spending so much time in their phones and doing whatever. There's so many great benefits from it that, mm-hmm. you know, if you discipline yourself to take what the good is, um, it has so impacted my life in a positive way. It keeps me to circle back and answer your question. I am keeping in touch with people that it would have been impossible to keep in touch with at this scale. And I mean, I could just send a note out on LinkedIn. Hey, I'm in New York and boom, people are, Hey, I'm here when we can have a drink. And you know, so it's, it's fascinating because we, we have these amazing tools that are different than any other CRM. It's your birthday. Hey, I'm shouting out at you telling you it's yeah. your birthday. You got promoted. I'm letting, you know, so it's fabulous. And I, I love that part of it. And I would add on that, don't take those relationships for granted. Don't take those existing partners and clients that you have for granted. They still want to be courted. They still want to feel beautiful. They still want to feel like they matter. Everyone watches reruns of The Office nonstop on Netflix. And there's always a theme in there of this client's leaving and this guy, right? I mean, they're selling paper fictionally on a television series based in Scranton, Pennsylvania, but replace it with widgets doesn't matter. Everyone wants to feel valued. Everyone wants to feel appreciated. If you're giving someone your business, they're giving you your business. In all likelihood, you should appreciate that and let them know that. Yes? So, so it's dead on. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why tell me something good is so important is as I'm working in the LinkedIn platform, especially, I just message people that come up randomly boom, tell me something good, tell me something good. And I could put out 25 messages like that. And I was on a European vacation. I just got a promotion. My kid is doing this. And so I've created in one sentence this volleying of information that people just go, wow, you asked first. You know, not about business. You know, not every time I call you is, hey, it's time to re-up or, you know, I have a new product to show you. I actually care about you. Yeah. And people need to feel that. Yeah. Hot seat. We're getting to it. Number six. Number six. The biggest mistake salespeople make when it comes to email is what? The biggest mistake they make when it comes to email is what? So email does not allow you to share emotion. And the number one thing in sales, I believe, is a transfer of emotion. So I could send you a note that if read two different ways would get two different responses. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, one of the guys we're working with, he has this cute little saying, sort of his thing, come on. You know, he just says, you know, that, that was great, come on. You know, and it's very empowering when you hear it. Come the on first, can be read as skeptical. Well, come the first on. time I or received his email, right? I was like, are you kidding me? This guy's like calling me out. We yeah. haven't started working together. Right. Like, Come on, man. Like, like more sales training or more of the same shit. And I'm like, you know, and so I instantly went to the guy that hired me and I said, listen, I don't know what this guy means, but that one didn't work for me. Uh-huh. And that's what salespeople don't understand. So they are click it and send it. And I say, click it, put it in a folder and send it tomorrow. <laughs> um, because it's wh- whatever emotion 
you have doesn't translate dangerous that's what exclamation marks are for that's what commas are for that's what quotes are for but i i always have told people it's not what we say it's how we say it there's a big difference between do you want to go to prom with me sure and sure you know so right so big difference email in and of itself email um is the standard way that salespeople communicate right there's ways to enhance email with video that we now use that attracts more stuff than ever. Hey, Josh, we haven't met yet, but you know we know the same person, and they said we should reach out. Now you're looking at me in full color. You're watching the movie. It's and very different than, than you know, I'm typing right. this thing out, and you don't know who I am, and it's just another email. So understand the impact that your communication has mm-hmm. on the people that you're sending it to and understand how to communicate with them. Is it in text? Is it in voicemail? Is it in email? Is it in spoke You speak signals? a different language each time. Every time. Every Just like every format of social media, I don't speak the same on Facebook as I do on Instagram. Right. I don't speak the same on Instagram as I do on Twitter. You have a different voice, a different tone, a different, even for the same message. There's different ways you need right, to communicate it based on platform. The first time I met you, yo, bro, we, whoa, you, you, you know, I'm that, not your might bro be, yet. that might be good when we become bros. We ain't bros. We're not there yet. <laughs> we ain't there yet. Number seven, <laughs> and your final of your seven <laughs> in the hot seat, Steve Nudelberg, the most important rule when it comes to creating and maintaining a relationship in sales and marketing is what? And the most important role in creating and maintaining the relationship is what? So I, I would I would actually call out another friend of mine, author, great speaker, Bruce Turkel. He wrote a book called All About Them. And I think the most important rule is you don't matter. It mm-hmm. is all about them mm-hmm. always. Mm-hmm. And, and if you keep that in mind, um, and it's actually helped me in my relationship with Michelle, because it's always about her. No matter what I'm thinking at the time, it's always about her. And that has been wonderful. So friends, clients, uh, you know, all the things that rotate in your life, if, you, if you're really concerned about them, really good things come back to you. And, and he wrote a great book, and I highly recommend it. And I've tried to get him on the show, but he won't drive to, <laughs> to Bobby. Understood. So, uh, you know, it's, um, he, he's a Carl Gables guy. He's great. But, but I think, you know, to answer that rule. It's all about them. It's all about them. And, and that starts when you try and court them. You know, I think, you know, it's not about me and I have this greatest widget that I want to talk to you about. You know, this, I want to interrupt your day to tell you about something that I want to sell you. It's more about What's you. Important What's them. important to you, you exactly. know? And so, you know, the, that we use this, this thing about alumni marketing. Uh, I'm, we're doing an event next Wednesday with Tim Hewlett, who is awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really inside the Gator football program. It's important to me. Uh, he lives next door in Gainesville. He lives next door to Dan Mullen, obviously mm-hmm. my boy works for Dan. And so he's putting together this little event and it's basically um, a way to market to people. So Mm -hmm. I reached out to the people that I know in the Gator Nation um, that said, hey, listen, we're doing a private event. It's just a couple of people that are really interested in the program. Do you want to join? And, you know, it's not about me selling them anything. It's offering them. Hey, I know you're a Gator. I know it's important to you. And they would go, how did you know that I'm into the Gator, you know, because you post about it all. And you do your homework. You do the research. Uh, That'll take you off the hot seat. You survived. Congratulations. You know what? I love doing this so much. Thank you for teeing me up. I'm so blessed and so grateful that I get to share my knowledge and and my experience. And I've never been more confident of the work that I do. I am 100% confident 
that if people entrust me with getting better, I can do that. And it's an unbelievable place in my life. Let's tell them something good as we wrap up this quarter, the three quarters of a century, number 75, in which you were your guest on your own podcast. Tell them something good, Stevie. Here's something good. I think we're going to do this one again. Yes, we are. This is kind of A few more times. A few more times. I think we'll do this more. Um, But uh, what's something good? You're good, my friend. I'm grateful that you're in my life and that you drive this show. Likewise. You make this really good. So that is certainly something good today. And you survived the hot seat. Couldn't be worse. That was a great question. Although you might not next week when we talk to your college roommate. (laughs) For Steve Nuttlebutt, Josh Cohen saying thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Confessions of a Sales Salesman, the podcast. So long, everybody.